0: Finally, if you would like to support the work and ministry of Rehope financially, you can do so online at rehope.co.uk slash giving. We pray you find this message encouraging, enlightening, and helpful. Enjoy. Hey family, glad to see you here. Uh, at the end of June, it's kind of raining outside, so I'm thinking about Royston, I'm thinking about you guys out there, and we are we are working really hard at getting your shop front open so you can meet inside (laughs) and sorry all right blessings on Royston all right let me let me bless us all here as we as we get going I bless you now in the name of Jesus that you would know Jesus more wonderfully this morning I bless you to receive healing if you need healing in your body in your mind in your emotions in your spirit I bless you to receive whatever guidance from God you need today whatever help from God you need, immediately. I bless you have the courage and capacity to flourish and prevail over whatever challenges you're facing in your life right now. And I bless you to feel hope and joy and love and peace and freedom in Jesus' name. May it be. All right, family, today we are wrapping up our short four-week season entitled Equipped to Bring Freedom. Now, if you're new here or visiting, we're talking about the thing that you're not supposed to talk about (laughs) at church. We've been talking about some stuff that nobody seems to talk about, but it's really important. We've been talking about Satan and how Satan is real. We have been talking about demons and how demons are real. They're as real as the Bible is itself. And it may be a strange topic for us in the West, but it's so biblical. And it's so central to Jesus' ministry. It's so central to the apostles' ministry. It's so central in the Bible. It's it's part of the Bible all the way through to the very, very end of Revelation. You you see it mentioned several times, like chapter 9 of Revelation, chapter 16 of Revelation, chapter 18 of Revelation, and all the way to the end of Judgment Day, that this is a reality. This is a reality that we are in. And so in this season and this series, I've been trying to get you uh, to spot what nobody sees anymore, what nobody really wants to see anymore. Uh, I want to give you fresh eyes so that you can spot when a demon might be harassing someone or oppressing someone in, in one way or another. I want to equip you to how to see it. I want you to be equipped on how to stop it, how to cast out that demon in Jesus' name. And we've talked about how not everything is a demon. But if there happens to be a demon harassing someone, nothing but setting them free in the name of Jesus will help them. You, you can't counsel out a demon. You, you, you got to set them free. And, and that's what we can do as Jesus's people. All of us can do that uh, as the people of Jesus. So we've talked about how to do that. We, last week, we looked at the one-step example uh, as, as, as common with Jesus. Now, Sometimes it take, took Jesus a little bit of time, like the story of Legion in the Bible, but but the one step method, and we, we saw Paul in, in Acts chapter 16, he looks at this woman who has a demon and he says, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And the demon left immediately. That's the one step method. Uh, love that. Uh, we talked, though, last week about potentially six steps, about kind of slowing it down a little bit for the sake of kindness for the sake of effectiveness and and freedom. So we had the six-step method, which we looked at last week. And the the thinking behind that, the analogy behind that was, you get rid of the rubbish, and then you get rid of the rats. We can get rid of the rats, maybe with some extra work, without getting rid of the rubbish, but they're going to want to just come right back because there's rubbish. And so let's let's do a long-term favor here, uh, clear out the rubbish, and then... Uh, get rid of the rats. That's why the, the six-step process there. Last week, we talked about the five most common ways that demons might get in, and, you know, like rubbish stuff that, that would draw them. Five most common ways. And basically, uh, we talked about how repenting and forgiving and Choosing to follow Jesus in godliness and holiness, that's the path of kind of clearing out the the rubbish and getting back right on track with God, clearing things out. And and then after clearing things out and repenting and forgiving and and returning to holiness, uh, then seeing those demons leave in the name of Jesus by by getting them them cast out. Uh, This reflects a lot of Jesus' teaching. After he sets someone free or heals them, he might say something like, go and sin no more. You know, like, don't keep accumulating more rubbish in your life now. We've got you free, let's let, no, go and sin no more. Or, as he says to one people, or something worse might happen to you. It's just uh, kind of like, clean it up, clean it up, and, um, and l- let's, let's move on from here. Now, the fifth one on this list of the five most common ways demons can gain entrance in a person's life was curses. And I basically just saved that for this week. Aren't you lucky? Uh, we, we, we skipped that one, and, and I mean basically I said curses are real, they affect Christians, and that we'll talk about them this week. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about that this week because it's so biblical, and I want to start with my favorite curse story in all the Bible. You know what it is. 2 Kings chapter 2, 42 young people, they start making fun of Elisha the prophet for being bald. Can you imagine? Why would anybody... Make fun of someone for looking this good. Uh, this is one of those biblical proof stories that beautiful people have always been made fun of uh, and taunted throughout the history of the world, throughout the millennium. Anyways, so uh, they're, they're taunting him for being beautiful, uh, bald, and, and he curses them, and immediately two bears come out and maul the youths. So again, uh, this is, what, this is my, my favorite of all the curse stories. It's also the fastest of all the curse stories usually curses you see nothing for a long time and then they bear fruit slowly over time the second fastest curse story in the bible is jesus and he curses a fig tree he cursed a fig tree in mark chapter 11 and and when he curses the fig tree nothing happens at first like there's nothing noticeable that takes place but then the next day it's obvious that that curse has taken place And the next day, it says this in Mark chapter 11, verse 20. Early in the morning, as they were passing by, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots up. Then Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. Again, this is the next day. They saw nothing on day one, and the curse brought about withering. It's a pretty good word when dealing with curses. Brought about withering, dried up, wasted away from the roots up. It's a a pretty good, pretty good imagery when it when it deals with curses, like whether it's curses over our health or our finances or our relationships or whatever. Anyway, so um, those are some of the quicker examples of the Bible, and I'm just throwing those out for fun and uh, just to, to just get us thinking. What is a curse? What is it? Here's a definition from Peter Horribin, who is part of LL Ministries. I think he started it. um, And supplemented by a couple words from Brian Ingraham, one of your favorite people. Peter Peter Horribin writes this about what is a curse. He says, curses are words that are spoken against another person, I added, or place or thing because that's that's also legit. Curses are words that are spoken against another person or place or thing with intent to harm. The words in themselves have no authority to hurt anyone. They're just words. It's the spiritual power behind the words that enables the terms of the curse to be fulfilled. And that's really key. That's That's the difference between just saying something and saying something that has prolonged real genuine impact it's been empowered by something spiritual in the bible sometimes rarely but sometimes it's angels especially if if the curse comes about because of people's rebellion against god and breaking his commandments usually 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 it's it's demonic stuff but again it's not just words it's empowered words where where the enemy has gotten in there usually The Bible is pretty clear about this. There's so many examples. Curses are real. They're powerful. They are devastating. And if I could give you my top tip on this, don't curse people. Don't do it. Don't do it. Here's here's some of the stuff that the Bible says in the New Testament about about believers cursing. It says in, in Romans chapter 12, bless those who persecute you Bless and do not curse. It might work. It might be powerful. Don't be tempted to go that way. Don't do it. Even if they're punks. Even if they're persecuting you. Don't do it. Don't do it. James 3 says, With the tongue we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in God's likeness. Blessings, blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. My brothers and sisters... Th- these things should not be this way. So my, my, my directive is, as we talk about this, don't get any ideas for you. This is not about what you are to do. This is about how to help you set other people free. That's why we're talking about this stuff, okay? Now, full disclosure, in the New Testament, Jesus drops a curse on a fig tree, and Peter and Paul drop curses on people. Uh, Paul drops curse, a curse on, in Galatians chapter 1, on people who would bring, even angels are people who would bring any other gospel than he brought about Jesus. Peter, 2 Peter chapter 2, Peter uh, places a curse on false teachers, false teachers. Those are some examples, it, it's real, This it is isn't just an Old Testament thing, this is a New Covenant thing, a New Testament thing, but generally speaking, please don't curse, that's not what we're supposed to be doing, Okay? Now, one last comment. I'm going somewhere with this, by the way. I'm not just dropping um, party bombs over, over, us, over us all the time. I'm heading towards a specific story, but the one last thing that I want to say to set us up for this story, kind of laying the foundations for this, is that as Western Christians, we are the most spiritually naive and spiritually disconnected people in the history of the world by far. And so, because we haven't thought about this much, we we ask certain questions, and I've heard a lot of questions about this kind of stuff, and most people want to know is if they can be cursed, or if they're immune. Can I be cursed, or am I immune? And to that, I have two Bible responses. And the answer is, is yes, but I have two Bible responses to that. The first one, can I be cursed? You are. I am. You can see it. If you look at my face, you can see. I've got this white here. I wasn't born with this. I am blessed with this. But it is, it is I'm aging. There, there is a death curse that has come upon my blood relatives, my blood ancestors. Genesis chapter 2 and Genesis chapter 3. My ancestors were told not to eat of the tree or in the middle of the garden, or they will die, and they ate of it. And now there is a curse over all of their descendants. I am one of them. So are you. And that it's going to last all the way until Revelation chapter 22, verse 3, where it says there will no longer be any curse. This is in the new heavens and the new earth. So if you're asking, can I be? Well, yes, obviously. Look at my face. We, we can be. If you are a woman and you, and you have given birth, then you can testify that as a Christian... Genesis chapter 3, the, the pain of childbearing, as a Christian, you might experience pain in childbirth. Like, like, just even though you're a Christian. There is a Genesis 3 curse there, and that is a part of just this reality. It's a multi-generational curse. So, can, can, can we be, we might complain and say, but what about Jesus? What about Jesus? And Jesus died on the cross, and so we should be free of any curses. And I'm like, I would love that. Right? I would love that, but the reality is there's still obvious things that, that linger. Um, so that, that's one thing. Can I be yes? The other thing that has been coming up to me, and, and again, I lo- I've loved this church, this seri- all, all series. I always love this church. But I'm getting so many uh, very intelligent, great um, responses uh, as people are thinking about this topic. And one of, the, one of the ones that have, has come several times now is people have given me this verse from, from Galatians chapter 3. I said, see, Brian, we, we, we can't be cursed. And, and that verse says this in Galatians 3.13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us because it is written, cursed is everyone who was hung on a tree. I love it. We are freed from one curse, the curse of the law, but we're not freed from every curse. And you might be able to try and make a theology out of it, but it's, it's the same as when it comes to health. Think of this. Jesus says this in, in Matthew chapter 8. He says, when evening came, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. He drove out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. So that what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. He himself took our weaknesses and carried our diseases. Jesus took our weaknesses, he took our diseases. But we can still get sick. I, I, I don't know if you noticed. We can, we can still get sick. And what we're told to do when we get sick is, you know, confess our sins to one another and pray for each other so you can be healed. Or go to the elders and they will anoint you with oil, James chapter 5, and you will be healed. We're told to bring these things to Jesus for healing. You might get sick, but you go to Jesus for that response. It's the same with curses. You know, you, you might be impacted. I wish we weren't. I wish we didn't get sick. I wish we didn't have to deal with curses. But we're, we're, we go to Jesus. Uh, to see curses broken in Jesus' name. Okay, so that's all the background. That's all free. That's all free. I want to get to this story here. Um, but we're set up now with curses are real. Uh, Jesus, Peter, Paul, and utter them in the New Testament. Anyone can be under a curse. Everyone is. The New Testament, joy is not that we are immune, but that we can be free. And the whole point of this series, that we can set other people free. That you can set other people free. Okay. I want to look at a story, a curse story, a helpful one, and it's, it's in uh, the book of 2 Samuel. And it's connected to King David. He's David at this time. And the curse is found in 2 Samuel chapter 12. Now, the, the Bible says this in Proverbs proverbs chapter 26 it says an undeserved curse goes nowhere and and that means that if if your curse and it and it doesn't have any if it's undeserved if it's undeserved it won't land it won't stick to you how might a curse be able to land on you well either it's going to land because of sin or willingness Sin or willingness are what makes a curse able to land. There's some people who choose to take on a curse for a perk. Think the Little Mermaid, right? The Little Mermaid, you know, like, Eric, ooh, I'll take every curse. You know, that that sort of a thing, sort of of vibe there. But people will take on curses for for a perk, willingly. So either sin or willingness. In David's case here, the the, the curse is going to land on him because of sin. In chapter 11 of 2 Samuel, uh, David starts breaking Ten Commandments left and right. First of all, he starts coveting his neighbor's wife. And that is a breaking of the, one of the Ten Commandments. And then he commits adultery with her. And that's breaking another one of the Ten Commandments. And then he has her husband, Uriah, murdered, killed by the Ammonites. And thus breaking another one of the Ten Commandments. So he has broken three of the Ten Commandments there in chapter 11. And then in chapter 12, Nathan the prophet is going to come and he's going to drop some curses on David. And as you're going to see, those curses aren't just thrown out there. They're put right on top of the sin. They're connected exactly to the breaking of the Ten Commandments, the, the, those sins there. That they're, they're connected there. So, anyways, Nathan comes out, and he, and he is in chapter 12, and he starts dropping these curses on, on David. And we read this in 2 Samuel 12, 9. Uh, Nathan says, Why then have you despised the Lord's command, broken in one of the Ten Commandments, by doing what I consider evil? You struck down Uriah the Hethite with a sword... And you took his wife as your own wife. You murdered him with the Ammonite's sword. Now, therefore, the sword, here's the curse, will never leave your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own wife. So the first curse here is because he murdered Uriah, and so he's cursed with now the sword never leaving his house from generation to generation, like a multi-generation Murder, murder course. Now, you don't see anything happening that next day, but over the years, you see the sword um, impacting his house. His, his third born, Absalom, murders the oldest son, Amnon. And then Joab, the commander of the army, murders his, his, his third born son, Absalom. You have this, this, this bloodshed starting in the next generation and it continuing down through the generations. There's a curse here, a murder curse that goes down through the generations connected to sin. But not just that curse that happens. The curse goes on, and and it says this in verse 11. This is what the Lord says. I'm going to bring disaster on you from your own family. I will take your wives and give them to another before your very eyes. He will sleep with them in broad daylight. You acted in secret, but I will do this before all Israel in broad daylight. So his, 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 his family now is, is cursed with some sort of adultery curse, some sort of like um, sexual sin curse. And again, nothing happens right away, but then you start looking at the next generation, it gets really messed up really quickly. And, and you have his son Absalom and concubine. Why well, I don't want to talk about it. Anyways, the cursings are real. And although they don't, they're spoken and they land over time. And what you see with David is a withering of his family, in only those areas. He's still king, and he's still celebrated from generation to generation as as the great King David, this man after God's own heart. It wasn't like all that gets taken away from him or whatever, but there is a very specific curse connected to a sin that lands in multi-generation. And this is in the Old Testament where you can't break curses. Praise God, we have Jesus in the New Testament, where we can see curses broken uh, from generation to generation. Now, I've, I've heard from some of you, and I, and I love this as you're chewing on the Bible, uh, actually from many, many of you, from many locations, actually, some of you have pointed out that, that God has put a limit on how long curses can be passed down to the third and fourth generation. And, you know, the Bible says, you know, to the third and fourth generation. Um, actually, that's talking about God's discipline of people going down to the third and fourth generation. That is different than a curse. The curse examples in the Bible go from generation to generation to generation until they're broken. Uh, Example, um, David here from generation to generation. Uh, Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 3. We are still impacted to this generation. Example, Deuteronomy chapter twenty. 9 and 30 where Moses lays out blessings and cursings for the people and a thousand years later they're still being impacted by the curses connected to that that moment. Uh, Again, the Amalekites. uh, Moses curses the Amalekites from every generation. That was right before they go to Mount Sinai. Uh, The curses go on forever and ever. When God disciplines, He limits His discipline to the third and fourth generation. But the curses can go on, they're, they're a different category and they're, they're just a different thing. Okay, just, just for clarity. But I love that we're thinking. I love we're talking about this stuff. Here we go. Five main ways that you might come under a curse. Number one, a curse from God connected to sin and rebellion. You know, that was like Exodus 29 or Deuteronomy 29 and 30 or whatever. Secondly, a curse spoken in anger, usually naive to the spiritual reality. Somebody who doesn't know what they're doing, they just speak something out and it it sticks because maybe there's sin there and it it grabs on. They don't know what they're doing, but they throw that out there. A curse spoken by someone who knows what they're doing. And this is usually, you know, kind of witchcraft, blood. Blood is usually a part of that. Um, we, We have to clean stuff up around here all the time with that. Uh, but yeah, a curse spoken by someone who knows what they're doing. Uh, fourthly, self-curses or inner vows. I will never be like my mother, or, or you know, like, I, no one will ever love me, or, or I will never be happy again, or I wish I was dead, or like really evil things, and na- naively, people speak dangerous, self-cursing, uh, inner vow words over themselves. I'm never gonna get married, whatever. And, and if you do that, Okay, geez, Stop. Stop. Repent of that. Renounce those. Cut those off. Break those in Jesus' name and move on. Like, you don't, want, you don't want to do that. Okay, anyways. Don't do that. Fifthly, a curse placed on you from your ancestors. And again, there's lots of examples. But, the, you know, one, one common example in the West is Freemasonry, right? Freemasonry. It's one of the oldest secret societies in the world. It it has at its roots the worship of the great architect of the universe, which you find out eventually is Lucifer. But from the very beginning, the Freemasons start worshiping and making vows and oaths and curses to a false god named Jabulon. Now, Jabulon is a twisting and a perversion of three different um, ancient gods, uh, Yahweh, Ja, from Jabulun, Yahweh. Again, this is not Yahweh, God of the Bible. God doesn't share, He doesn't join up with, with other false gods. Is it? Uh, Jabul, uh, Bol, uh, Baal, the Canaanite god Baal. Uh, and then on Osiris from the Egyptian god, Osiris. And it's kind of this smashing together, a perversion of that. And it's definitely, they're not worshiping Yahweh, God of the Bible. They're they are doing something completely different. Now, when people join Freemasonry, again they may not know what they're doing at first, um, but but they end up taking these vows. They make vows. They make blood blood vows and curses. Over themselves and their ancestors. And and they they may be naive at the beginning, maybe they don't even believe that it's real, but the result ends up being that they bind themselves and their descendants uh, forever to the lodge and to the worship of Jabulon. And if any of their descendants ever renounces Jabulon or tries to break away from the worship of Jabulon or breaks away from Freemasonry or tells any secrets connected to Freemasonry, then they are under major curses. Like severe, gruesome, blood-oathed curses are to come upon them. It's nasty, you know, people join Freemasonry for, for the perks, for the, the blessings, the, the prosperity, for job opportunities, for success, for political or social powers. But in the process, they, they vow themselves and all their descendants to the worship of Jabulon. And it's kind of like Jesus and, 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 and the temptation there where it's kind of like, you can have all this greatness, all this great success, all you have to do is bow down and worship me. You know, that, that sort of idea. Again, you know, like the thinking the little mermaid. You can have what you want, but you've got to give up your voice or whatever. So again, there's, there's lots of health issues. If I'm praying for someone and any of these things kind of pop up, I'm not saying that they are, have a Freemasonry in their background, but I'm going to ask them the question because it's so common. Allergies. Uh, allergies, asthma, heart issues, digestive issues, barrenness issues, fibromyalgia, IBS, any sickness where the body's attacking itself, autoimmune diseases, eczema, death wishes, I wish, you know, I wish I was dead or whatever. Those kind of things, to me, flag up a potential. Again, people have that, and they're not, this is not under that kind of curse, but I'm at least going to ask or have them ask their own families. The, the bad news about curses like this These blood oath curses from our ancestors, they're they're real and they're brutal. They're, They're brutal. But the good news is that we can see people set free from them in the name of Jesus. You can help people be set free from them in the name of Jesus. And you can break those curses in Jesus' name, and you can send out, cast out in the name of Jesus, those demons that are empowering and enforcing the terms of the curse in people's lives. It sounds weird. But it's amazing what we can do in the authorized authority that we have in Jesus. <coughs> Freemasonry is awful, but there's other societies that are, that are connected to in one way or another to Freemasonry. The Shriners, which is an Islamic version. Order of the Eastern Star, it's for women. My great-grandmother was in that one. Uh, independent Order of Odd Fellows, the International Order of Job's Daughters, the International Order of Rainbow Girls, the Daughters of the Eastern Star, the Knights of Columbus, the Illuminati, Mormonism. Joseph Smith was a Freemason, and so much of the uh, designs uh, and, and ceremonies in in Mormonism are straight out of Freemasonry. And also, uh, not to wind up people like I did last week, but the um, the Orange Order, the Loyal Order of of orange and and now when i mentioned this last week people kind of went no so you went and looked it up right you went and looked it up because i know this is a big deal and and, and you looked up orange Order. you didn't just like oh I'm, i'm discounting this you went and looked it up and what you discovered was that the orange order was founded on the 21st of september 1795 by three freemasons by james wilson dan winter james sloan dedicated Freemasons, and they designed the Orange Order exactly like Freemasonry, the same leadership structures, the same words for their their leaders. They they designed it with um, the same curses. They they just copied and pasted curses out, not all the same ceremonies, but some overlapping ceremonies, blindfolding stuff and blood-cursed oaths, stuff like that. They're bringing it right across at different levels, at different stages, right, now it's not to jabulon. It's not to the, this false god. It, I, I, as far as I know, I think it genuinely is to the God of the Bible. But just because something is done in the name of the God of the Bible doesn't mean it's the right thing, especially when you're dropping severe blood oath curses, Mason curses on your, on your your ancestors and all that kind of stuff. There's a, there's a darkness there. But but I but I'm sure that you did your homework if you were like what the crazy uh, last week when I talked about that. Um, it's, uh, orange order is not Freemasonry, but they're connected societies, same, similar origins, a lot of connection there, just, just putting out there. All right. I'm sure that there's a, there's, there's hate mail coming, but I'm going to be out of town, so that's okay. Uh, <clears throat> now, the homework that I gave you last week uh, was to explore your background and potential curse stories in your in your family, any and every kind of curse story, demon God worship in your, your family's past, because what we want to do here in the church is we want to help people go from here and potentially impacted to free and no longer impacted. We want to help people be free. So we wanted you to investigate your stories so that so that you can start going for prayer and prayer ministry, either on Sundays or ideally longer periods of time in in the middle of the week. As you've done that, I do encourage you to go for prayer, set up appointments. Um, I'm going to linger tonight after the evening service and, and do some stuff connected to uh, curse breaking, connected to Freemasonry specifically. I'll probably be around for a while. I'll just see, we'll see how that goes. But if you're sitting here thinking, okay, Brian's about to go out of town and I really want him to pray for me, uh, dude, look around. There's a whole room of people who can do this. But I'll probably be around for a while afterwards. You might have to be patient because I'm going to really focus on Freemasonry at first. Alright, so that's coming up. But what I want you to know before we wrap up this series is how can you break a curse? Not just me. How can you do this? And here it is. You reset your heart with childlike faith being anchored in your authorized authority in Jesus. I said this before, but if you have no faith or low faith, then you're probably going to have no results or low results. Uh, This is what we were told. If you know that you have, if you know it, if you know you have authorized authority in Jesus, if you know you have the powerful name of Jesus behind you, then the demons know that you know. But if you don't know, then they know you don't know. You know, right? So that's where you got to make sure that you know that you're standing and and you're speaking in the name of Jesus and be set there for, for impact. Secondly, you invite the Holy Spirit. You invite the Holy Spirit to lead you in this time to bring revelation of what's needed to be done and the Holy Spirit to minister to them. Thirdly, you have them confess the sins of themselves or their ancestors that opened up the door for the curses to land or the willingness to do that. Uh, Renounce the curse, number five, whatever, five. Renounce the curse and any connected blessing. Oh, I think I might have missed stuff. Did I miss stuff? I missed three. Declare their allegiance to Jesus and starting over. No, you're seeing it right there. Invite the Holy Spirit, declare their allegiance to Jesus and Jesus alone, have them confess their sins, have them renounce the curse, have them counsel the curse in Jesus' name, have them reject any demonic enforcers of the curse. This is just clearing out the rats or rubbish, clearing out the rubbish. And then you cast out the demons in the name of Jesus. And this might take a while. Sometimes I'm seeing it maybe takes 15, 20 minutes. Get out in the name of Jesus and, and, and all of that. But it's worth it. And then have them reject any, sorry, where am I at? Nine. You pray for their healing and you bless them in in Jesus' name. That's, that's, That's it. That's the process. So here's the challenge. The challenge is keep pursuing freedom no matter how long it takes and then go help others be free. That's the whole point of the series. To go help other people be free. Now, maybe you go for prayer and you go and to get from freedom and you, you don't experience victory there. Maybe you don't experience much or anything. Look, I want you to think this way. If you, if you went for prayer and, and, and you still feel stuck, I want you to think there's more to do, not this stuff doesn't work. The enemy wants you to think, oh, don't even try anymore. Just think there's more to do. You, sometimes there's layers, right? Right? There's more than one thing going on. There's more, than one, there's more than one pile of rubbish in the house of your life. Sometimes you might take out one pile, and then, but there's more, there's more to do. And so, so sometimes we, we, um, we just have to keep cleaning house until we get there, keep working on it until, until we get there. Sometimes there might be um, open doors, piles of rubbish based on curses that you don't know anything about. And we're just, it's just going to take a time. Holy Spirit, help me know. What needs to happen so that I can be free? Reveal to me what I need to do so that this era of my life can end and the freedom that that I I long for I can step into. I encourage you, friends, to just keep going in this. Keep going and keep going and pursuing this freedom. Keep asking the Spirit. If you're praying for someone and, and nothing happens at first or in the first time or for a long period of time, just take a break. And and over the next couple weeks, just be like, God, what needs to happen? What needs to happen? I believe you can do this. I believe you can do this. I want you to try. I want you to to try and do this. And I I believe that, you know, practice makes proficient. You're not going to learn it until you step out. I say take a buddy like Jesus' disciples. They went out in pairs. Try this with a buddy. But be the gift that our generation needs. It needs freedom makers. And here you are, at least at the very, very basic ways now, a little bit now equipped to take your first steps. A little bit equipped to to bring freedom. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. Let Let me pray for us. Father, I ask for an extraordinary new wave of boldness and audacity over our church. I I ask for fresh eyes to see and a compassion for others that moves us out of our awkward restraint. Let let the compassion of Jesus propel us to help. I just pray for a a, a generosity of boldness and a generosity of compassion over our church. And then as we take these steps, God, be so clear with your spirit, leading us, guiding us, nudging us, directing us. I know that you want to see people free in our generation. Here we are. Send us. Send us. Yeah. Lead us clearly in Jesus' name. Amen.